This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland, here with Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm just amazingly happy. We got some rain this week. Yes. Your dance worked. (laughs) All of our dances, I think. Yes, indeed. After weeks and weeks with not a dribble, we, over a period of about four days, the accumulation for the week, believe it or not, was 87 millimeters of rain. Elliot is measuring it by the millimeter, which, of course, (laughs) is 8.7 centimeters, which is about three and a half inches of rain, which was absolutely great. My everything's looking much happier, particularly the lawn. It now has a bit of a green tinge to it instead of yellow. (laughs) We also got a very good rain day and a half here up at Southern Georgian Bay. Um, But we've been getting it, you know, every week or so, which you did not get. You went weeks without getting it. You know it. So, yeah, yeah, we're feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, and that's really, really tough on the gardens, I can only imagine. Well, not just that, but, you know, the well starts to go drop. And our well is like, it's not like a drilled well. Like it's the kind of well you can look and see how much water is in your well. Oh. And uh, so we always can measure our well. So so when we have visitors, you know, you're kind of watching the well and saying, all right, like like my last set of visitors, it was like, okay, come clean. <laughs> Don't expect to have a shower while you're here. Bring a bathing suit. We'll go swimming if you want to, you know, yeah. get cleaned off. And I'm expecting my brother Gordon and his wife Janice tomorrow for a few days. So of course, my brother being my brother, he's like, well, I'm not having a quick shower. You've had rain. <laughs> like, yeah, he knows it now. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's sighing the sigh of relief. Exactly. I'm like, no, no, bring your bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Listen, I should give those numbers out. We would love for you to give us a call uh, with any questions about gardening, uh, inside or out. Uh, 416-360-0740. That's the number for anybody in the Toronto area or anywhere else in the province of Ontario. It is a toll-free call. one 866 740-4740. And please do let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller. And we'll give you your garden wings. And, of course, the mantra is the same all the time. Call often. Call early. And one question per call, please. And calling early really does help because sometimes, as we did last week, all of a sudden in the last segment we get all these calls and it's it can be a bit tricky to get to them. So, yeah, please don't be shy and uh, give us a call. Okay, we should probably take our first break, Charlie, but we'll be right back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yeah, we're back here on The Garden Show. I'm Dean and uh, here with Charlie Dobbin. Uh, those numbers, once again, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Uh, Charlie, we're going to go to uh, our first caller. Uh, we've got Susan on the line who is uh, calling from Unionville. Welcome to The Garden Show, Susan. Hi, thank you. Hi, Charlie. And um, Good morning. Dean, it's, um, I'm from Union, Ontario. Union, got it. Yeah, um, I've got a rose bush, a climbing rose called Improved Blaze. It's a, um, it's a beautiful. It bloomed beautifully yeah. in June, and we had just moved it. It was in a spot that wasn't getting enough sun, so we moved it this year, and it was spectacular. And it's grown so much; it's about ten feet tall now. And I, I listen to you every week, and I heard last week we're supposed to. Uh, I don't know anything about roses, so you have to bend the bend them so that they will bloom. Uh, well, one of the most amazingly magical ways to maximize blooms all along the entire cane. So, uh, you know how, like you said, 10 feet tall. So that's one single stem growing from ground up to 10 feet. If you're on a wall or a fence or some kind of a trellis where you could actually um, – probably a little tricky to do it now because it's late in the season and the um, the canes are not as flexible as the season goes on. But earlier, well, maybe it depends. I guess it's possible that you've got some flexibility and you can bend those tall, straight canes down so that they're now running on the horizontal, but you have to tie them in place because they don't hold on themselves. <clears throat> Next year, you'll have a million and one blooms coming off that one cane. It's actually quite magical. But I do, the trimming I do on climbing roses, just so you know, is, is based on the safety and the health and safety of the plant. So as winter comes and as that big rose has really grown this year if it's going to be subjected to a lot of wind and it's going to um, be banging around in the wind even after the leaves drop it'll still be there banging around make sure that it's not hurting itself or hurting anybody walking by it so i trim down to avoid damage to the plant or to people or to other plants at, in the fall but, uh, later not now wait till november and then uh, let it be let the, the climbing rose be and then next spring you're in a position to take out anything that's dead uh, or like and clearly dead or damaged from right from the from wherever the death part of the the branch is okay so you're suggesting I understand that. So you're suggesting it'd be better to um, do what you just said about the winter, protecting it in the winter time from from everything, and wait until the spring to bend the canes. Um, well, the best time to bend the canes, believe it or not, is early in the spring before the leaves come out, when you can really see what's going on. Because okay. early in the spring, you'll be able to see what, what parts of the rose are dead, because the branches will be black or dark brown. Uh, they will not be shiny at all. They'll be a very dull color. So with sharp pruners on a sunny day in March or April, you'll go out and trim off dead stuff, damaged stuff. And at that point, you can do some training or some tying of your rose canes into the horizontal. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate You're it. You're very welcome. Okay. Thanks for calling. Nice yeah, day. thank you, Susan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, and Union is uh, located between Port Stanley and St. Thomas. I did look at mm. uh, it up there. I wasn't exactly sure where Union was, but there uh, you go. 
Okay, uh, Charlie. Uh, last week we did have uh, we had a call that was um, that was ended prematurely. I guess their their phone went dead, battery <laughs> ran out. Um, and but uh, this is from uh, from A and J in Saint Kitts, Ontario, and they have a weed problem. It's invasive weed. They call purslane, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. And they've had several people come out to the property and have said it's very hard weed to kill. And she said, "Would you please be able to help us?" Okay. It's a, it's kind of a funny plant because it, there's no question. It is considered a weed. Uh, it is a portulaca. Many people know portulaca as an annual flower that we grow in our gardens in really hot, sunny locations. So purslane, the common name for portulaca oleraceae, which is the weed form of, of portulaca, is um, it's a very common weed in particularly vegetable gardens, places that are sunny. This is a plant that does very, very well in a hot, dry, sunny location and um, this of course was a summer that uh, encouraged uh, purslane to grow it's easy to pull it's very shallow rooted um, as long as your ground isn't super compacted you could just pull and it'll come up the tricky thing with this plant though is if you leave any bits behind they will continue to grow and so you've got to make sure you get the entire plant up out of the ground uh, and of course um, it, it is interesting a quick google of purslane I come up with an article from the Sarnia Observer from five years ago and it's it's uh, entitled purslane was the worst of all weeds but now people eat it so um, and it's true Pur purslane is a plant now that people are growing to eat because what you might not know is that it uh, it has more omega-3 fatty acids than any other plant. It's low in calories, rich in fiber, vitamins and minerals, particularly rich in vitamin C and A. Uh, and for anybody who loves spinach, like I understand you do, Dean. I do love spinach. <laughs> yes, indeed. Then purslane is a wonderful spinach substitute. So wherever you would use spinach, raw or cooked, throw per, a handful of purslane in apparently it tastes really good so you know but to tony and his wife get out there pull that purslane and have it for your salad or your dinner tonight okay gotcha okay we have to take our next break but we will be right back with much more right here on the garden show fur and feathers and bugs of all size there's more going on in the garden than you realize should small creatures become a big problem then you've got the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. There is lots going on in the garden, which is why we are here in the Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland, and it's why we're here with the goddess of the garden, Charlie Dobbin. Aw, thanks. And uh, <laughs> well, you are yeah, just always bowled over by all the things you know, and I'm going to go out and eat some purslane today now, so there you go. <laughs> Better. <laughs> okay, we're going to Woodbridge now. We have uh, Mary on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Mary. Thank you. Love your program. Thank you. Welcome. I have, I have two hydrangeas. One is like a little tree, and I moved it two years ago, and I haven't had any flowering from it. And then I have also a climbing one. does great as far as the foliage goes, but again, no flowers. So I'm just wondering, what's going on? 
Okay, well, the climbing hydrangea and the little hydrangea tree want very different conditions. The climbing hydrangea will actually grow in quite a lot of shade. Uh, it uh, it doesn't mind some sun, mm-hmm. morning sun, kind of sun, dappled sun, but not a southern exposure. It's That's too much sun. Uh, it does take a few years for climbing hydrangea to get established and start flowering. So never expect a lot of flowers off of the climbing hydrangea for at least two, three, four years. Once oh. it's settled in, it will start to flower, uh, and and it just gets better from that point forward. But be patient. Okay. The little hydrangea tree, on the other hand, needs to be in full sun in oh. order to flower. Okay. So six hours of sun minimum every day, and uh, be careful with your fertilizer. <clears throat> Too much nitrogen, you'll end up with a lot of leaves. So better to under-fertilize rather than over-fertilize if you're having issues getting flowers. And pruning matters too. When it comes to the hydrangeas, only prune in the spring, early spring. Okay, that helps a lot. And that little tree, I had moved it two years ago because it was covering other plants and they weren't growing. So maybe that also contributes to the fact that it's not flowering? No, not... Well, oh, the the moving it, yes, could contribute for sure. Yeah, yeah okay. when you move a plant, you set it back, obviously. You, you always leave some roots behind, so the plant always has to start again and get itself settled into the new location. So, yeah, it always... You, you have to be patient and let plants get... Uh, established we call it so that just means getting their roots out getting comfortable okay thank you ever so much charlie thank you yeah thanks so much for the call there mary yeah for sure okay uh let's go right to uh, bowmanville we have donna on the line welcome to the garden show donna uh yes good morning um i'm calling regarding uh corn gluten and um crabgrass um, a nursery in our neighborhood is currently advertising uh, the application of corn gluten should be applied now uh, to treat crabgrass. Um, I'm under the impression that corn gluten should be applied early spring when the forsythia begins to bloom, but I didn't know that it should be applied in the fall. Um, when should it be applied? Okay, so that's actually a really good question. Remember that the way, what corn gluten does, it's not like it's specific to crabgrass. Corn gluten, when it's applied onto the soil of any of our gardens and our lawns, has within it the ability to stop the germination of any seeds whatsoever. Any seeds, whether they're crabgrass seeds or dandelion seeds or you know, grass seed we put out ourselves. Corn gluten will not allow that germination to take place. So why would you want to put corn gluten down now to control crabgrass? To me is a bit of a good question because the way crabgrass works, there's no question that crabgrass is now starting to flower. I mean, it's a grass, but it does get little flowers and those little flowers become seeds and then those seeds disperse from the plants. Any one crabgrass plant can disperse up to 60,000 seeds. So that's a lot of seeds. Those seeds typically will not even try to germinate this fall. They will sit out there wherever they landed after they've been expelled from the mother plant. Winter will come. The mother plant dies. The seeds sit there and wait until conditions are wonderful in the spring and then the seeds Mm -hmm. will grow unless something like corn gluten stops them from growing in the spring. Mm 
If you put corn gluten down now, um, yes, if we have a really prolonged summer or a really prolonged fall, it is possible that some of the crabgrass seeds will try to germinate this fall. But honestly, crabgrass will die in the winter anyway. So I wouldn't be overly concerned about controlling crabgrass seeds this season because it, it's an annual plant. Frost kills the plant. So that's why they've evolved to not germinate in the fall. They've evolved to wait and germinate in the spring. But, you know, you still could have other seeds floating around. Um, ragweed is big in my neighborhood, <laughs> uh, floating around. There's dandelion seeds floating around. Uh, so crabgrass, or sorry, corn gluten is, is never a bad thing if you're concerned about, you know, weed seeds blowing into your garden. But don't try and go out there and put down expensive grass seed and then expect it to grow if you've put corn gluten down. So it's one or the other. Right. Okay. And, and of course, the fall is a, is a good time to put down seed. Is, uh, uh, sorry, grass Excellent. seed, isn't it? Excellent time to be top dressing and overseeding our lawns. Best time ever is is now and for the next six weeks. Absolutely. Okay. The soil okay. is nice and warm. The rain is starting to fall. Every, you know, temperatures aren't so extreme. Uh, and this is a perfect time to top dress and overseed and get your lawn ready to be fat and juicy for next spring. Right, right. Okay, that answers my question. Great. Thank you, Charlie. All right. You're very welcome. Take care now. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah, thanks very much for the question, Donna. That was a good uh, lecture, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, it was good. I, I went into lecture mode. <laughs> speaking of grass seed, is there a particular mix that you would recommend, or does it really vary depending on where we live in Ontario? No, what varies is uh, two things. One is the price, so you get what you pay mm-hmm. for. Don't yep. cheap out when you're buying grass seed. And okay. number two, look at where you're trying to grow the grass seed. Um is it a su- really sunny spot? Is it a half sun, half shade spot? Is it a place where the, the children do cartwheels every day? So we have high traffic blends. We have s- shade tolerant blends. We have boulevard blends, which are the ones for the really hot, dry, drought, no, no rain situations. So yeah, pick a blend that works for your conditions. Okay, gotcha. Uh, we have a First-time caller on the line, waiting very patiently from Brampton, Ontario. We've got Maggie. Welcome to the Garden Show, Maggie. Oh, thank you. And I have your garden wings for you. Morning. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm uh, fairly new, meaning first time. (laughs) Uh Uh, Yeah, I I just happened onto your show, so I guess I'm very new. I have a question, though. I, you were just talking about a rose, uh, one stalk, the climbing rose. Hello? One stalk? Uh, like how many, like I've got three climbing roses I planted, mm. and they're doing really, really well. They're really bushy. There's all sorts of um, uh, shoots coming up from mm. the ground. Is that how, I, I'm, I'm a fairly uneducated gardener. That's fine. Yep, yep, yep. That's no, okay. I'm, I'm so, hearing you. So, so I don't know, like, do I cut back a few of the other shoots and just let one grow? Or no, 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 no not at all. No, we. When you first, if you tuned in at the top of the show, we, I was talking with Susan, and she was talking about a climbing rose she has that has is now ten feet tall. Right. So mm-hmm. she's got you know, single branches or canes growing from ground level all the way up to ten feet, oh. and we know that we will get roses up on the tip of the 10-foot-tall cane, but it'll be leaves all the way up that cane unless we modify the way that plant is growing. And one of the great modifications is to actually 
bend that tall cane down and tie it into the horizontal. Imagine the old cedar rail fence with the rambling rose growing along the fence. Right. So it's that idea of that um, climbing rose that will grow a, like parallel to the ground. So okay. horizontally along a structure like a fence or a wall or whatever, but you have to put them in position because they don't do it themselves and you tie them in position. Um, so yeah, if you've got bushy climbing roses that you're happy and they're blooming and everything's good, I wouldn't be concerned uh, except that they get do get fairly large and sometimes they can kind of take over and they're also very, very prickly. So it's just important to be careful that they're not damaging themselves or anybody else. Okay, so I can be, okay, I think I understand that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah like, like I had a bunch of roses right along my garage wall where I used to live in Richmond Hill, and they did great. They was they're happy, happy roses all summer and fall. But of course, by by late summer and fall, they were really pretty big plants, and some of them were six or seven feet tall. And then Halloween would come, and all those children with all their costumes would be, you know, being um, literally grabbed by the roses like you know the the floating costumes that would be caught up in all the roses so i would always cut the roses back to safe position so that i didn't trap small children at halloween yeah mine are <laughs> away from people and everything else like they're just yeah good against fences good. and things but the only problem is i did i don't know why i did it but i did um try to because the uh, one is growing on a trellis and it was growing really tall, and I thought, oh, I don't want it to grow tall because I wanted to fix the trellis. So I did try to bend it, but it broke. Is that going to be an issue with that one branch? Sorry, the branch broke, you said? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, if it's broken or really, really bent, then I would just get out my sharp pruners and then just cut it down just below where that break is or okay, the bend because um yeah it will heal uh, happy healthy plants will heal but a ragged jagged uh scar is always very difficult and slow to heal so always better to make a clean cut oh and do i put on an angle cut like i'm an yeah, uneducated slight angle. gardener totally yeah, <laughs> slight, a slight <laughs> angle just so that rain and, and water doesn't sit on the top oh. of the cut cane okay well thank you so much I'll have okay. to start listening to your show. <laughs> Don't be a stranger. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, uh, I have so many issues with my grass, too. I was listening to the other lady, and I'm thinking, my grass is perfect. It was absolutely gorgeous, like a, a golf green grass. And I put down um, a fertilizer in the spring to strengthen the roots, and now the grass is awful. It's just, it's got white clovers, and I don't know what they're called, so, but those Maggie, uh, that's a you had got to listen to that mantra that Dean uh, gave out. That's a question for another day or another oh, call. You got. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, no yeah. You make sure call. you call back often and as as often yeah. as you want. There. Call Maggie. early. Sure. Call often. Mm. One question per call. You got it. Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, those numbers again, incidentally, uh, 416-360-0740 <laughs> is the number to call if you live in the Toronto area or uh, like uh, Maggie and a number of other callers that we've had today that live well outside the Toronto area, various spots in the province of Ontario. You use this toll free number, which is one 740 
four seven four zero. Now, uh, Charlie, you got in. We got an email from Shirley, and Shirley lives towards your area in the Grafton area. She uh, listens to the show every week. Uh, she has to have a few trees removed, and they will be made into chips. Now, she has a north-facing shade garden running the full length of the house that uh, has evergreens, grasses in it. Uh, and after the hostas die down and the garden is cleaned up for winter, she would like to spread those chips over the garden instead of the usual leaf mulch that she she typically adds. And she wants to know, you know, how much should she put on? Will it will that impede the plants from coming up? She normally puts about two inches of leaf mulch. And of course, it breaks down in the spring or summer. And so she's kind of guessing that the, the wood chips will take longer. She's looking for your help and advice. Yeah, no, good question. Um, so I'm a huge fan of the leaf mulch, uh, frankly, surely. So if I were you, I would probably almost even hold off on putting the uh, wood chips down on that garden until after the leaves have started falling and after you've put your two inches of leaf mulch on the garden. But uh, you bring up a good point that if you put those wood chips down over top of where things like hostas want to grow next spring, will they be able to come up through? We know that hostas can force their way through the leaf mulch, but can they force their way through the, the chips? Not so much. So since you are having these chips uh, happening in the next, sounds like probably the next week or so, I'd probably, uh, you know, weather dependent, get out there and start spreading the chips two to four inches deep. So that's five to 10 centimeters deep on top of any of your gardens. Always remove the weeds first. Get the wood chips in on the surface of the soil. Do not let those wood chips touch the stem or the bark uh, of any of the plants. So whether it's evergreens or grasses or hostas, make sure the wood chips are are on the surface of the soil, but not actually touching the stems of the plants. And and then next spring, no problem. Your hostas can come back up very easily uh, because you will have a spot where you can see exactly where they were this fall. They'll be able to come up next spring. And it's great use of uh, existing you know trees as they come down for various reasons. I mean, certainly the ash trees are still coming down. There's a lot of dead ones in the Prince Edward County where I live. And they are um, going to provide great wildlife shelter as they continue to stand up they're dead but eventually they're all going to drop down too so there's lots of chips out there gotcha okay we are going to take our first break or our sorry our next break but we will be back with much more right here on the garden show daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias for scythia and foxgloves marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks flocks hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams you've picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio Yes, indeed. We are back with much more on The Garden Show. Going to go right to uh, Richmond Hill. We have Angie on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Angie. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Um, my question is, I have a Katsura tree. I love it. The foliage is great, but half the leaves have fallen off, and I'm not sure what's happening with it. It's a little early for it to do that. Yeah, you know what it is? It's just the drought. Uh, Katsura uh, like uh, more moisture than the average tree. So they have responded <clears throat> to the lack of rain 
across Ontario by doing some early defoliation. As long as you've still got some green leaves on the tree, it is still photosynthesizing and it's still doing its thing. Uh, of course, the recent rain will have helped hold those green leaves. And yeah, it, we just won't have as great of a fall display as we might have if we had had yeah. more consistent rain through the summer. Because Katsuras turn a beautiful, beautiful shade of apricot. Uh, it just looks like marmalade when the sun shines on the tree. So it, it, you just won't have as many leaves to mm -hmm. turn that color. But don't be overly concerned. Uh, unless, you know, of course, you can water Next summer, if we get into these hot, dry summer, then, of course, it's roughly an inch of water per week per tree, slowly uh, uh, sprinkled over the root zone. Okay. And when would I stop watering it this fall? Uh, this fall, well, you know what? You don't really um, – when will you stop? You will start watering if we go a couple of weeks with no rain and okay. we have temperatures in the teens and 20s and 30s. As long as, like, we've got temperatures in the – well, really the teens as we have now – there should be a fair amount of moisture in our soil from the recent rain, and I would not be overly concerned because there's more rain coming. We are getting into that time of year where uh, we start getting pretty consistent rain. So, yeah, it's just a matter of monitoring what's going on around you. It's the hot wind, the hot dry that it causes plants to go into basically early winter. And the, the trees were just like, okay, I mean, I've got maples here in my neighborhood that are bright red right now. Oh, because they cool. just said, okay, I can't cope. I'm going, winter's <laughs> happening for me now. Like, I got to shut it down because I can't keep these green leaves anymore. I'm, I've just got to uh, got to get ready for winter. So they go into what we call early dormancy. Okay, thank you so much. Okay. Love your show. Oh, great. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks, Angie. Bye. I, uh, I have to compliment you, Charlie. Your, uh, your description of the Katsura tree turning into a marmalade-colored leaves was very romantic. It's, it's a beautiful tree. I had one in, I lived in Richmond Hill for 25 years and I planted one and it was mm -hmm. gorgeous. Really, really nice tree, but needs pretty, uh, quite, I have two here now that I planted and they need more water than the average. There's no question. Okay. And you, you had mentioned that last week that you were saying that in Prince Edward County anyway, and probably other parts of Ontario, mm -hmm. that you, we were experiencing a lot of trees dropping, going into an early fall because of the lack of rain. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it does, they don't typically die as a result of that. But it, the longer we can keep green leaves on our plants, the better and bigger and healthier they will be in the future. Gotcha. Okay, we have another first time caller on the line. And uh, that is uh, Elizabeth, and she is from Scarborough. Welcome to the Garden Show, Elizabeth. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I'd like to give you your garden wings, my Thank dear. <laughs> there you well, go. Welcome to the show. Now I feel better. I have a large, <laughs> sorry, I have a large cedar hedge, which I'd like to cut back and down. How much is this a good time to cut it? Not really. You want to do this because you want to bring it down smaller into a yeah. better size. Yeah. The problem with big old cedars is that when we cut them down, they don't always send out a lot of new growth. Oh, sorry. The, when I say this large. I'd say it was about six feet tall. It's a hedge right now. Oh, okay. So it's about six feet tall now? It's a hedge. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. So how big do you want it to be? I'd probably bring it down maybe to about four feet. Okay. Would you do it now? Okay, so there's a few 
philosophical thoughts on this. Um, some people would say, yes, you can trim it now, hmm. but not more than one third. So nice sharp pruners or hedge hmm. clippers, nice sunny day, nice clean cuts, no more than a third removed. You will have blunt uh, cuts, blunt branches all winter, which will have nothing, no green on them. And that will not be very pretty, but new growth should emerge in the spring. I personally like to cut things, cedar hedges, when they're actively growing. So more like May or June. So when I do the radical removal of stems and branches, very quickly new growth will cover those blunt cuts that I've left behind. But we can cut down about one third right now, okay? Yep, you could. Yeah, just to tidy it up. Sure, makes sense. Okay, thank you very much then. You're okay. very welcome. Yeah. Good luck on that, Elizabeth. Okay, we got. let's dive right into our next call. We've got Susan on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Susan. Are you sure you caught this? I'm Joan. I think you got me, not Susan. Oh, well, it says Susan on my on my screen. What's your name then, huh, Joan? I'm Joan, and I'm from Burlington. Burlington, okay. Well, welcome to the Garden Show, Joan, <laughs> from Burlington. What do you got there for Charlie? Charlie, I phoned you uh, back maybe the end of May, June, about my bromeliad plant, which I absolutely love. It's fascinating. It's green. I mean, sorry, it's uh, the least beautiful green. It's a red plant, so it started out. Now, uh, what I would like to know is why does it change color from red and it went pink. Now it's a lilac pink. Okay, so is that the flower that's, that's coming right. up out of the center? Yeah. Yeah. So that, it, it's, uh, bromeliads are amazing. The flowers last for a very, very long time. So you're right. It started bright red. It's getting paler and paler to pink. Mm -hmm. And in the next week or month or so, it will be brown. Oh. Yep. And then so the the flower is just doing its thing. It's just evolving to the next point. So it went from being very fresh to now it is, it's dying. The flower is dying. And believe it or not, the plant it's growing out of is also going to die. So you have to keep an eye because little baby and daughter plants will start growing out from the base of the mother plant. And what do I do about the plant that's kind of burn? Well... You're probably going to just enjoy the plant as it is for the winter. Mm -hmm. And one day in the spring, in like February maybe, you are going to say, I want to do something with this plant. So you're going to then spread out some newspaper. You're going to pull the plant out of the pot and you're going to look at it. You're going to realize that these little daughter plants with a sharp knife can be removed from the mother, mm -hmm. sliced away. And there should be some little roots attached to those daughter plants at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And you're going to, meanwhile, um, compost all the brown leaves and the yellow leaves that are part of the mother plant. Mm -hmm. And you'll end up with, you can put all these little daughters together in one pot, which is what I did recently. Or you can have separate pots with each of the separate little baby bromeliads and they will bloom. It'll just take a year or so before they'll bloom. But the, the, what about the, the green leaves at the moment? Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
Yep, green for now, but they will. The colors will change. Just make sure you keep them obviously frost-free inside the house. Make sure that they're in a bright spot, preferably getting four, five, six hours of sun every day, and I make see. sure that you water with nice, preferably rainwater or mm-hmm. water that has sat out overnight into the cup, into the center of the plant. Okay, actually, it doesn't get any sunshine because of the position of the house. Uh, and the big trees that are behind me, it gets a lot of light, but no sunshine. Oh. No extra okay. sunshine. Bright, but a nice bright spot is, is obviously quite fine. And then in the winter, maybe it gets more light because the tree drops its leaves, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good. You know, a bright spot works. What, what you're doing obviously works because it, it's been a happy plant up to this point. So the, the green leaves at the moment, will they turn brown and die off or not? Of, of the of the original plant, yes, it'll take. They'll start at the bottom. The lowest le- lower leaves will turn brown first, mm-hmm. and the, each moving up the plant, it'll eventually all be brown. But but let that happen. Don't don't be overly concerned when it starts to happen. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, thanks. Okay. For yeah. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Joan. Right. Okay, time to take our our next break here. Uh, but we'll be right back with uh, more on the garden show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland, here with Charlie Dobbin. And Charlie, that last caller reminded me of a uh, an experience with a, is it bromeliad? Yeah, bromeliad, yeah. also I, called pineapple plants. Gotcha. I was on a, uh, I was moving household locations many, many years ago, and one of the last uh, mm-hmm. Trips was a, a car full of plants, mm-hmm. and I had the bromeliad beside me, and we turned a corner, and the whole thing dumped over in my lap because it was full of water still. Of so, course. <laughs> and I went, oh. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> Where'd that come from, yeah. And I, I just want to give a quick shout-out to uh, – there's a, a 19-year-old that I know, and this is, I think, a bit of an odd. Her name's Julia. She's going off to university in Ottawa. She lives in the Collingwood area, and she is a huge plant person all through high school, and she was telling me the other day that uh, her and her mother, and I get this honestly, in her, from her bedroom to her new location at, at, in Ottawa, uh-huh. they're moving about 40 plants. That's uh-huh. how much of a plant person she is. She's moving 40 plants in the cars, and I don't know, are there, are there good ways to move plants? That was sort of my question, because I don't think most of university students are doing that these days, but, you know. I know, that's very unusual, because yeah. who's got room in your dorm room, or maybe she's moving into an apartment where she knows yeah. she's got Room, not to mention yeah. light. Maybe. She couldn't take them last year, but now she's in a location oh, she can. And that's how beloved okay. her plants are to yeah, her yeah, yeah, at yeah. 19 years of age. That's great. I love it. Well, the um, you know what? Good time. Now is a great time to move plants because it's not below zero outside. And she knows where she's moving to. She knows yeah. her windows and you know her ability to put the plants that need the sun into the sun and not others won't need as much sun. So she's obviously figured it out and got a plan. But uh, that's um, that's a bit of a job for her as a full-time student and a full-time plant care person. Yeah, that's how much she loves him. Yeah. Okay, uh, I got a, another email here. This is from a Pam, uh, and Pam is talking about a, something called a purple smoke bush. And uh, she says her question is that um, she wanted to replace the one that sat not far from this one towards the middle of the lawn. Um, it's a, about the size of it. She wants to know how big it's going to get. Hmm. We planted this one last year and realized this year too late that it's probably not going to get enough light as the branches are reaching towards the sun. I'm not sure 
sure how it would transplant. Uh, one, to keep it, uh, keep it a small, compact bush. When, when is the best time to prune? And, um, and if she keeps it small, will it still produce the fuzzy stuff? <laughs> I love it. That's like, <clears throat> yeah. It's trying to uh, achieve perfection from a lack, uh, from a less than perfect location. Yeah. Okay. So smoke bush. Many people love smoke bush because they smoke. When they're flowering, the flowers look like fuzzy, fluffy bunches of smoke. And they come with green leaves. There's some with purple leaves. And there's some with even golden leaves. But they need full sun in order to maximize the health and um, growth of the plants. So she is right. She did send a photograph. The <clears throat> little smoke bush has been planted at the side of the lawn beneath some deciduous trees, and it is growing out towards the sun, so out towards the middle of the lawn. Yeah, and she points it, out she's in Wasaga Beach, and the and the sand soil is pretty sandy out there. Yeah, well, you know, a smoke bush is pretty good in terms of of getting established without too much water. I mean, anytime we plant a new plant, we have to make sure we water thoroughly, and and properly, and you know, uh, extensively. Not every day, but you know, thorough watering for the first couple of seasons. So yeah, water deeply, water regularly twice a week with a smoke bush that's newly planted for at least the first two seasons. But full sun, can she move that plant to a sunnier location? If she can, it will get bigger because it wants to be 10 feet tall. And I don't think um, that uh, Pam wants this plant to be 10 feet tall. So she's kind of taking on a bit of a challenge where something that wants to be 10 feet, but she wants to keep it smaller. Keeping it in the shade, it will stay smaller. There's that option. So keeping it where she's got it, just prune and prune and prune where it's growing out over the lawn. So keep it dense, keep it um, centered, and you will not get flowers if you have to do that much pruning. So in, in the sun, you can get flowers, but then again, you have kind of a much bigger plant. I always prune smoke bushes early in the spring uh, so that I can bring them down to whatever size I want them to be for that one season and let them grow throughout the spring and summer, S expect them to start smoking in usually June. And um, they will they bloom on the new growth from the spring. So that's why we prune early spring and prune hard. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure what the best the best option is in this case, whether to move it into a sunnier spot or leave it where it is. It, it's hard to get it all perfectly happening with this plant in this location gotcha uh what is being harvested this week out of the charlie dobbin garden what are you and elliot uh, uh, pulling out well i'll tell you what i did yesterday for my second go around i cut down my, my big i have a lot of basil so i cut down my basil and i made some delicious pesto Ooh. Nice. Yeah, I like I like my pesto. So I, of course I freeze a lot of it for the winter because there's nothing like a little fresh fresh basil straight out of the garden frozen of course um, in January. But uh, yeah, my homegrown garlic, my homegrown basil, bunch of olive oil and pine nuts and sunflower seeds and yummy yummy yummy. Yeah, and the Parmesan in there as well, I guess. Yep. Yeah, And Romano, of course, yes. Beautiful. Well, you've <laughs> yeah. officially made me hungry as we finish <laughs> off this edition of The Garden Show. I know. It's time <laughs> to go get some breakfast. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dean. I appreciate all your help. And uh, couldn't do any of this without you and Carlos and the great callers. So everybody, keep it up. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.